Hi, I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Here at FX Medicine, we strive to remain clinically relevant. So stay in touch with us and please let us know how we're doing. We love hearing from you. You can email info at fxmedicine.com.au or contact us via Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining us on the line today is Katie Barron. She's a practicing naturopath, college tutor of physical examination, mother, wife, and lover of all things travel. Katie is passionate about fellow natural health practitioners feeling confident in their clinical practice, leading to better client outcomes, thriving businesses, and a rising of the whole industry and profession. With a passion for physical examination, Katie believes that this not only gives us valuable insights into patient presentation, but also builds rapport with the client and opens doors to cross-referrals with other modalities. Katie is currently putting together a tour of workshops around Australia and New Zealand cities in 2019 to refresh natural health practitioner knowledge of the importance of physical examination. When Katie isn't tutoring at a naturopathic college, planning her upcoming 2019 workshops or seeing clients in her clinic, you can find her planning her next overseas adventure with her family, catching up with friends or walking along the beach with her enormous dog. <laughs> Welcome to FX Medicine, <laughs> Katie, how are you going? Yeah, good, good so thanks. I, so I'm picturing Cujo there. <laughs> what sort of dog? He is part Great Dane and part Bull Mastiff. Right. So a yeah, big so sook. He's big. Oh, a big buffhead, massive buffhead. <laughs> okay, so physical examination for the natural health practitioner might be very different from the medical practitioner physical examination. So how does this differ from conventional medicine? I suppose it's, it's actually quite good to start with where it is similar. Um, we actually do a lot of the same physical examinations. Um, you know, when we're putting together our vitals and we're looking at abdominal things and we're looking at neurological and respiratory and, you know, like listening for heart sounds, all sorts of things. But we also we also have obviously our more traditional naturopathic science where we're looking at tongue and pulse, nails, hair, skin, um, as in a conventional way but also in a holistic way. I guess one of the biggest differences, and this is 100% in our favour, is that we have time. Um, if we're thinking about how long our consultation processes are, they usually go for between, you know, half an hour to an hour, and sometimes other prachies are sort of consulting for up to an hour and a half. So we have this time. We actually have time to sort of create these processes with physical examination, gather the information that we need, and also in that time, create that rapport, which is which is a little bit different to conventional medicine where it's a little bit more of a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. They just simply don't have the time, a lot of them. And it's also yeah. um, guided by presenting symptoms. So it's like, yeah, I've got a sore shoulder, therefore we'll do a physical examination of the shoulder, perhaps the back might do a, you know, might do a neurological examination if there's so, something suspected. But it's really directed into that quadrant, if you like, of that of the body, whereas a physical examination may be a more comprehensive thing, right? 
Oh, a hundred percent. So what what I like to encourage practitioners to do is to have their basics that they run through all of the time, you know, like the vitals should be done at every initial consultation. And then also, um, you know, to pick and choose as well which body systems you would dive into a bit more comprehensively as you would with questioning, with your questioning and case taking. But also then to um, to make sure that you are looking holistically as well. I mean, it you know, as I briefly just mentioned, when we're looking at nails, that's something that can take 10 seconds and can give you so much information. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about appropriateness right off the bat because I, I think we need to set our boundaries. There have certainly been those practitioners that have transgressed those boundaries. So when is it appropriate to do a physical examination and when isn't it? Okay, so really, really big conversation and very, very important, obviously. So first, the number one thing to do is to work within our scope of practice. Um, we are we are trained to to pick up red flags. We are trained to um, be able to gather information that guides our treatment plans. We are not trained to be um, diagnosing anything ever, really, but diagnosing anything from a physical examination. And also, you know, unless unless you're really diving into a specific area, say, for example, you're really interested in um, working side by side with cardiologists and things like that, we're simply not even using the same equipment as them. No. So, you know, we need to make sure that we're working within our scope of practice. For sure, we can we can listen to heart sounds. Are we going to be able to pick up major abnormalities and things like that? No, we're not. We're, we're, we're looking for, we're looking to bridge the gap and pick up red flags and do and do things like that, basically. And refer when appropriate. Oh, one hundred percent. This is this is the biggest. This is one of the biggest things. Is that you know is that uh, a lot of practitioners are really really scared of the referral thing. They they view it as um, I'm going to lose my patient. I'm moving my patient on. Whereas a referral is a shared care agreement. It's it's not. Oh no! You now you go on and see this person, and I might see you in a couple of years. It's it's um it's an opportunity to give your patient the best possible care. Really, that was a very interesting term, shared care agreement. And and too often mm. there's this. I have noticed this in my patient. I'm referring them to you for continued or expert care, but very often we omit the last sentence. I would appreciate referral back once finished. Is this something you oh, cover in your course? Yeah, definitely. The um, getting confident with with doing those referral letters so that it very much has that statement. So that it, you know, you it, it will also depend on where the patient if the patient has come from you to that person to that other specialist or GP or whoever it might be, um, the other modality, but. It, you will obviously be like, you know, this is a shared care arrangement and all of those things. But, you know, if they've come to you after seeing this person and you want to send them back with maybe some ideas for further investigation, then it's very important to to really just acknowledge that they were the, that person's patient first. Mm. And I'm really, and acknowledging that as saying, I'm really looking forward to helping you with your patient. Mm and making this a shared care arrangement for the best possible outcome. Now, 
you know, we covered appropriateness just before. Um, mm -hmm. What about the use of just continually checking in with your patient that everything's okay, that they're feeling safe and all that sort of thing? Do you do that? I, I guess one would have, I'm going to think here, that there would be differing aspects to cover here when you've got a um, female to male or a male to female issue. Oh, for sure. So the the really the really big thing here is for a start, um, having the confidence to keep it really professional. So remembering that in the during the consultation is that you are the professional, you are the person guiding the consultation. Um, you are so you if you're keeping it on that level and they see that they're going to um, they're going to feel that too. So it's really important to get consent and to explain to your patient what you're going to do before you do it. So, you know, for example, when you're sort of asking someone to get up on a massage table or up on the on the, on the the table and you're going to start pulling their pants down and their tops up and things like that, you know, you're, you're going to run into problems. Whereas if you if you explain to your patient what you're about to do, why you're about to do it, and with moving clothing around, I always ask them to do that. Yeah. And, of course, we are well versed in the media of those practitioners that have transgressed lines. Um, yeah. There are also those patients that transgress, transgress lines. How do you, do you teach practitioners to protect themselves? Oh, well, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, so that's, uh, that is a, like 100% a boundaries thing. And um, I think it's very, once again, it's how you present yourself. Mm. You know, you've got, if you've got to feel safe in the, in the um, consultation as well. And that's the thing is that if you're, if you're, it's, we, we think and we talk a lot about the patient being comfortable and the patient being comfortable to to say yes to consent to doing the the physical examination as well but that's just as important for us mm. we need to feel safe like i i wouldn't if if someone is, has that little never has that little feeling of oh in my gut like oh i don't think i really want to go with this person go there with this person then you don't mm. you listen to that you really listen to it absolutely it's yeah it, it's really, really interesting important. how we 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 talk about intuition. We talk about gut feeling. I tend to think about minute, those minute um, cues that are given off by a patient, which you pick up on, which raise your hackles and which, which yeah. alert you to go, uh, not safe here. And we need to listen to those cues. And uh, I think, I, oh, I totally agree. I couldn't agree more. And I think in our quest sometimes for finding answers um, that is backed by science. And I'm not, I mean, I have, you know, I have, I have studied and now teach in science, but so it's so important. But I think to be able to, to make sure that you're tapping into that is super important, really important. So let's go into it. Why do we want yeah. to do the physical examination? What oh, does it give us? Okay. Uh, it gives us information. It, huge amounts of information that can guide our treatment plan um, help which is which is obviously what we're there to do <laughs> to help our patients get better and also to um, that becomes part of our clinical judgment so I remember back in the day it was a bit of an old school learning about the rule of three so um, you have you know the three or more signs that point towards a particular diagnosis or more so a clinical judgment and um, these phys physical signs and symptoms are yeah will, will really help us with that and also just 
just coming back to that building that rapport you know when you've done a when you've done a really when you've done your physical examinations well you will have people turn around and say to you i i've never felt so heard interesting yeah so interesting yeah. i actually agree with you about building trust that yeah that this professional trust and competency can be conveyed by how competent you show yourself in doing in conducting a physical examination like for instance i was i remember learning about the um the the Schober's test um ankylosing spondylitis you, you measure two points either side basically where the at the base of the spine on the hips mm -hmm. and then you put some tape up the spine and you get them to bend over and you measure the difference, how that tape stretches. And if it can't stretch, then it's a, a decent indication that they've got some sort of arthrosis of the spine, some, some sort of issue going on. And it was a really interesting test for me to do to plainly show that there was an issue and that you could refer for then expert help and indeed raise a red flag that something even sinister might be going on. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And it's um, it's not about, and that's such a good point, because it's not about then you using that test to make a diagnosis to, to treat. It's about you going, well, you know, this is something that I was thinking about. And now you've plainly shown it to your person, because a lot of the stuff that we can we can talk about is theoretical and sometimes subjective. But if they can see that, like that, that is your measurement. Yeah. Um, it's like with the straight leg raise uh, when we're looking for, um, you know, herniated disc as opposed to just tight hamstrings. Yeah. They, they can see you doing that test and they go, okay, that's cool. That, that makes complete sense to me now. And you'll have them on board. Okay. So when you're thinking about referring to an orthodox practitioner, a medical practitioner, mm -hmm. they're not going to understand a lot of the naturopathic assessments nor are they probably going to believe in them. So when do you use your naturopathic assessments? Do you, do you tend to just keep those to yourself and maybe inter-refer to other natural health practitioners? And then the more orthodox assessments you use and talk about in your referrals? Yeah, 100%. That's exactly that's exactly what I do and what I encourage others to do. So, you know, as we know, when we're writing a referral letter anyway to a specialist or to a GP or something, um, you know, keeping in short, short, sweet and snappy, I say, yeah. is the best way. So, you know, if we're sending pages of naturopathic signs and symptoms, they're just going to glaze over and it will end up in the junk bin or the, or the waste bin. Um, so, it, so it's really, really important. And that comes back to that to that thing as well. I mean, they, they will understand a straight leg raise. They will understand, I mean, for example, some of the more, when we're looking at nails, there are the naturopathic signs that we wouldn't put in a referral letter. But then, for example, if we're seeing signs of clubbing, yeah. which is which is something that they look at as well, then that's something that they will understand. So it's about being able to, yeah, is, is to keep some of our things to ourselves and speak in their language when we're speaking to them. And I think, as you say, your workshops will teach practitioners competence in, you know, those, for instance, nail signs that are orthodox in nature, those skin manifestations of systemic disease. They're not necessarily naturopathic, even though we use them commonly. 
Oh, well, example, if you, 100%. So, you know, even, I mean, obviously when we're looking at, um, you know, like the colour of the nails, now we know a bluing like a cyanosis situation. Now, doctors and and conventional medicine will also look at lack of oxygenation and, you know, pulmonary issues and things like that. We know that, you know, brown nails can be can be fungal um you know, if it's not the basics, like is it stained from nicotine? Coming back to that thing of <laughs> let's just eliminate the um, the obvious and the simple before we go down the rabbit hole. Sometimes it may be that the physical assessment that you do might give a clue not just to their physical state, but indeed their lifestyle choices and things like that. Oh, for sure, definitely. Um, and I think that's why it's really important to have a, a system like a, a basic system, and then obviously you tailor that to um, the specific client and what's who's in front of you and what they need in particular. But if you've got a system that that starts with the basics and that doesn't really take long at all, and then you move into the more complicated, then you're making sure that you're not missing those really simple things. I mean, case in point is uh, is seeing someone disheveled um, when they come in. Yeah. Now, you know. And and that could be they've just dropped four kids off at four different schools and and they've and and everything was all you know quite they had a crazy morning or being or are they always like that which is a sign of depression mm. that's it's really important to just ask these these questions before we go down the rabbit hole of complication. Absolutely, I was thinking in my mind about you know if somebody comes in and they're hunched, are they hunched because they're depressed? Are they hunched because they're threatened? Um, a low self-esteem, something sad's just happened, or, or indeed, is it something like a dowager's hump, some some physical um, issue with their spine that you know you need an alarm bell to refer to? That's a really good one because it's having the confidence to ask those questions and think outside the square a little bit. I had a patient present to me this. I always come back to this because it's it it's, it's it drives what I'm doing now. To be fair. Um, and she presented what was has been treated for the last for about a year by a GP as chronic vaginal thrush. Um, obviously, it was treated unsuccessfully, and she was pretty desperate. So she came to me. Now, once again, this is this is a um, case where it was 100% outside of my scope of practice to do physical examination in that area. Absolutely. Uh, so yes, yeah, so that just doesn't get done. But having the confidence to ask the right questions, having the confidence then to go, okay, I need to look for now. There's other model, there's other naturopaths that are doing wonderful things in specialist areas. So in this case, it was Moira, uh, Moira Bradfield, doing with the intimate ecology and yeah. looking into it further with her. Yes. Um, but having the confidence to ask the right questions having the confidence and the skills to write really good referral letters back to the GP to go, look, there's a, there's a red flag here. This is not right um, to, to push for further investigation. And we had to push for this. And it actually ended up being quite a rare form of labia cancer. Now, the prognosis was not good. Right. And But this woman got some answers. Yeah. And she felt heard and she felt treated and she and she got in the end she had someone batting for her yeah. because i had the confidence to just keep going and i think i think that is key in yeah what we're going to talk about is is your courses and indeed becoming competent and refreshing because we think oh i've done that 
I've done that. I yeah. did that. Yeah. How long ago? <laughs> Um, and the thing is, do you keep doing it? Because yeah. the, there are there are a couple of things that I hear over and over again at the moment, and that is, oh, we only did a we only did a semester of it. It was really rushed. I didn't. I don't feel confident. And now because I don't feel confident, I don't do it. So equipment is is gathering dust, so to speak. The equipment that prakis do have, and also the other thing is, I don't want to look stupid in front of my patient. Yeah. So I just don't do it. So here's a, here's a couple of little tips to see if you really need Katie's course, and that is can you picture a claw hand and can you picture a swan neck deformity in the hand? And if you can't, you really need to be doing some revision. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the red flag stuff. The red flag stuff is massive. I mean, we, we talk about um, everything starting in the gut and yet nobody is doing abdominal um, examinations. Nobody is checking for enlarged livers and mm. for, um, you know, gallbladder inflammation and things like that. So, yeah, is it is that is that lump and bump and little mass that you're feeling something benign or is it something that we really need further investigation? Yeah. Now, that's an interesting one to go on when you're talking about liver enlargement, hepatomegaly and things like that with the Murphy's sign. One thing I've picked up is we we were always taught, oh, yeah, you know, you just sort of examine the right-hand rib cage. But what I mm. learned subsequently was that that's only positive if the left side is negative. And if the left yeah. side's positive too, then it's probably more indicative of diaphragmatic inflammation or something like that rather than just the liver involvement. And And when you're feeling, yeah, so when you're feeling around for things, what what exactly are you feeling for? Mm. You know, you do you're doing these things. Is it is it appropriate? What am I feeling for? What? Yeah, all of the things. So, when with regards to your courses and and indeed what you teach at college, do you use you know mannequins and things like that that are sometimes used? Uh, we are in in the college. It's it's hands on um, person to person. So you're actually feeling bodies, which I think is really important. Mm. Uh, we, will sh we will sort of show things on mannequins and models and things like that. But, you know, the actual getting in there and feeling human bodies is very, very important. Uh, and the same in my workshops. So it's about teaming up. The thing, I was really, I was reading a really interesting little article, actually, it was very specific to my area, um, about how people... Uh, health practitioners in general, not just natural health practitioners, learn physical examination the best in small groups with their peers. Ah, right. With this, yeah, and that's the best way to do it is that you do a little bit of learning and then um, theory and then you get in there and actually do it and you pair up and you swap around and you do all of the things and you ask the questions and, you know, you just you just be really open and that's, and that's the best way. So you pair up or you go into small groups. How is this shown to be useful? Uh, well, because you're literally practicing on other bodies. The Yeah, the research has shown that small groups and peers of our peers, because then we're speaking the same language and we're, we're happy to sort of go, oh, no, maybe just a bit to the right or a bit to the left and, you know, all of those things to, um, to practice. And then we talk through what we're feeling and what we're observing, what we're listening to, what we're auscultating, what we're percussing, and um, we talk through what we'd do if we were finding some abnormalities or even just suspecting abnormalities. 
And what about the key hints and tips when you're, when you're doing physical examinations? It's, just, it's not just the organ or the structure that you're palpating, right? Oh, not at all. So uh, it's not, obviously we're feeling for abnormalities, we're feeling for masses and lumps and bumps, we're feeling for enlargements or, um, you know, sort of shrinking of organs and things like that. But also, you know, one of the really big things that I see over and over again is that people are not observing their patient's face. So, you know, if if we're literally just asking someone if they're in pain or if they feel tender, they can turn around and go, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. But if we if we're looking at their face and they're grimacing, they're telling us something very, very different, aren't they? So it's about it's about looking at that. Absolutely. And I guess this goes back to checking in with your patient, constantly checking in with your patient. Is that okay? How does that feel? Um, you know, I'm reminded by a YouTube video and and YouTube videos um, by a very well-known medical practitioner dealing with skin. And what I found sometimes annoying uh, was an assumptive question rather than is the, uh, how are you feeling and getting the patient to give their description of what they're feeling. This practitioner said, you're okay, right? There's no pain, right? So therefore, That's it's right. an assumptive question as in, you better tell me there's no pain because <laughs> I'm cutting you right now. Um, and that can actually very easily, you're totally right, that can very easily go in the opposite way too, where we've we've made an assumption of what's going on with the patient and we will go and pick and choose and cut and edit uh, physical examinations or questioning to support our assumption. Ah, now that's key, isn't it? Yeah. That's so, for key. example, we're we're palpating in an abdominal area, and we've already decided in our heads that there's that there's an issue in a specific area. So we're sort of palpating in that area, and we're going, "Oh, that feels sore, doesn't it? Does that feel tender there?" We're, <laughs> yep. you know, and we're getting a yes or a no, and we're guiding. We're guiding. Let's move on to how good physical examination skills can build your practice. What are the key things to learn from here? Oh, it's massive. It's massive. Once again, coming back to that thing of, of taking the time because we have the time to do these to do these things. Now, that doesn't mean to say it needs to take up a massive chunk of your consultation. If you've got a system uh, of your basics that you always do and then a system, you know, of how to pick and choose the right ones for the person in front of you, it shouldn't take very long at all. But, you know, building your practices, what we know is that by building that rapport and gathering that information through physical examination means that the patient is going to trust you if the patient is going to like you and the patient is going to know you. So there's that know, like and trust. So in terms of what this means for your business is that your patient is effectively going to follow your treatment protocol, your treatment, your patient is going to come back, you're going to have better like patient um, retention, and your patient, if your patient just thinks of is, thinks of you as the the expert and the one that is helping them, they're going to tell everyone about you. So you know, building this rapport and this this relationship with your patient through physical examination is really not not to be overlooked. And that 
that comes back to the power of touch, doesn't it? So even, you know, starting with shaking someone's hand and placing a hand on their shoulder and all of those things is is part of building that rapport. Yeah, absolutely. And so mm. what I'm picking up here is that even if it may not be related to the physical examination per se, that you might be improving patient compliance with your treatments in a systematic way. Oh, 100%. So, you know, even if you've done a whole lot of physical examinations and they, and you've decided that that isn't actually relevant to guiding your treatment protocol, the fact is, is that you've given that person time, you've given that person you, you've made physical contact with that person and you've built that relationship. You are going to, in their mind, you are going to be the person that they will listen to. So, Katie, what are you going to be covering in your workshops? Do you start with like, you know, really going back to the basic revision, um, even to things like, um, you mentioned it before, shaking your hand. So the space of people, for instance, urban people tend to shake hands closer than, than country people, than rural people who tend to shake hands more further apart. And that's because of the space that we... Um, have allotted, if you like, to a public, private and intimate. Do you start off with those sort of basic premises about how we approach patients and then work from there? How, oh, much, yeah. how much assumption do you make that practitioners know? Well, for sure. And that is exactly that you're right. That's exactly where we start. So as far as I'm concerned, the, the consultation has started the minute that you lay eyes on the person. Well so said. the minute that, that you walk towards them in the waiting room, the minute they walk towards you in your in your clinic, whenever that is. So straight away you're observing them. Are they dressed appropriately appropriately for the weather? You know, are they limping? Are they able to make eye contact? Are their hands clammy? Are their hands really cold or really hot when you shake them? So so this these things, I mean, a lot of I think there's an there's a these are cues yeah. that are overlooked. And often people think that the consultation doesn't start until everyone's seated and we've started asking particular questions. Abs and that's just not true. Absolutely. Um, you know, you've reminded me of two things. The first thing was a recent uh, visit that my son made to a, a female doctor. And this female doctor very confidently came out with a bright smile on her face, locked eyes on my son once she'd called out his name. And from then on, you could see this connection with the patient and the and the doctor. And there was a confidence. There was a relaxing. It was really interesting to watch my son. There was a, great, I'm welcome here. Um, and this practitioner is confident. The other one is, is a warning, if you like, that a nurse gave to me in my training. And it was Sister Geddes. I will always remember this lady. I was disheartened at the time, thinking everything was too hard and complicated. And Sister Geddes said, look, you can learn all of this when the time comes. Right now, I want you to observe your patient. Have they got a gleam in their eye? What is their demeanour? Um, she said, right now, I want you to care for your patient. And it was the biggest lesson I've ever learned. Oh, isn't that beautiful? That is so beautiful. And it's so true. And especially what you said about your son, your your. You're, we, we make judgments. Humans make judgments. We make judgments immediately within seconds of seeing someone and meeting someone about whether we're going to trust that person. And your son, because of the way that doctor came out and presented herself to him, made the judgment straight away that, okay, this is someone that I can trust 
and that I can work with. Brilliantly said. Now, Katie, you've mentioned before that you have a system. You've spoken about this system. What's the system? <laughs> okay, so the system is that I I want all practitioners to feel very, very confident to, to be able to bring physical examination to each and every consultation. That's the initial and also uh, the follow-up. So basically, I want to teach them to do or the, to do the vital signs, which is obviously your blood pressure, your temperature, pulse, respiration rate, beautifully, succinctly, confidently, <laughs> and then um, and then to go on and be confident doing abdominal, uh, which is obviously you know includes the liver and the spleen, neurolog doing some neurological testing and when to do it. Uh, respiratory, looking at the mental state, ears, thyroid, lymphatic, as well as the naturopathic signs. Now, obviously, that is not something that you would do in, to for every person, but to be able to pick and choose when to do them, how to do them, and um, why why they're really important, and to be able to fit this into the consultation. So, yeah, and to be able to track these things. That's so terrific. patients love this. They love it. They like they like looking at charts and and pathology results and to be able to see, you know, which way their their blood tests are going and all of that sort of stuff because it's right there in front of them. They also like to be able to see, oh, look what's happening with your blood pressure. You know, it was it was sitting here before and now we're progressively getting down to here with each consult. You know, you've said a real key thing there, and that is the tracking, the trending yeah. of, of symptoms, signs, and, and presentations, even physical stature and things like that. So I'm going to ask you, do you tend to take copious notes or do you tend to use things like photos? And I've got to ask, uh, does mm. that transgress privacy or do you ask the patient for their consent? Oh, well, I always have. Um, uh, it, I always have a conversation about consent um, and privacy with everything because you know you're taking. Obviously, you're taking really sensitive notes as well, and that's. And then there might be photos as well. I I use. I have a whole lot of cheat sheets <laughs> and work workbooks and stuff like that that I use to track things so that it's really succinct. You can pull it out and you that you can actually show them and go look. This is what your nails were looking like. This is what was going on with your blood pressure, and they, it's it's very clearly laid out for them. And you mentioned also picking and choosing. So, are there certain examination techniques and and assessments that you do all the time, and certain ones that you just use if there's a focus, if there's a need to do them? Like, for instance, you mentioned neurological testing or assessment. Oh. Of course. So, so do you tend to do like the naturopathic ones and some basic physical signs, physical assessments, or, you know, which one do you use when? Well, I think vital signs should be done at every initial, at least. Um, so, you you know, the blood pressure, obviously, because when we're thinking about blood pressure, you know, not only are we thinking the actual, like from a cardiac and, and um, pulmonary sort of side of things, but naturopathically, the blood pressure tells us a lot about the vitality of the person and adrenal function and things like that. So that's always a good thing to do. Temperature is always good as well, because obviously we can, it's a segue into a conversation about thyroid. Is there acute infection? Things like that. The pulse tells us a lot about vitality. These are things as well, if they're done well, they don't take long. Um, so thus, that's the other things that should be done in every initial. And then obviously you can you can track them with your follow-ups. And then obviously all of the 
the other ones, the body system, physical examinations as such, you pick and choose according to how your patient is presenting. You know, you said a really interesting thing then about things like blood pressure. Um, yeah. because there's obviously the white coat syndrome and oh yeah yeah and and <laughs> the masterful um, blood pressure taker will be one that has this conversation about what's happening on the weekend how they're feeling da 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 what's the weather like da 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 oh by the way that's your blood pressure and so there's the, it's almost inconsequential um, so there's this real relaxing of the patient's senses. Yeah, for sure. So that's, and that's, that is, that's a really important conversation. And the same with temperature and the same with pulse. You're not going to have your patient rush in from somewhere, no. you know, 100 miles an hour and then sit them down and throw a cuff on them and <laughs> start doing all of the things. Um, you know, you're going to have the conversation further down the track. You're going to start talking. You're going to start taking the case. You're going to start observing. And then maybe what I do is about 15, 20 minutes into things, I say, okay, I'm going to take some um, physical examinations now and this is what we're going to do. Yeah. So let's talk about the workshops. When are they? Uh, they they start on the 25th and 26th of May. So they're a weekend. So they are two days. And I'm going to be in eight different cities. It was six, and now it is growing. <laughs> I, I think, <laughs> as these things do. Yeah, I think this is indicative of just how crucial and needed, and indeed wanted, these courses are because of what they're covering. How important it is for your patient care. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I I started looking into this because I had people sort of saying the same thing over and over again where they weren't confident and they weren't doing them because they weren't confident and they didn't feel like they were no they knew what they were doing. And when I started looking in to see who was doing this stuff and no one was. Um like it, you know, there's there isn't there doesn't seem to be anyone that is doing this. So yeah, so it's been it's been really great. So it's Brisbane, Auckland. Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth, Sydney, Newcastle, and Cairns. And I know I say that funny. And, <laughs> and this is from May 2019, right? May 2019. Okay, great. So where can people find out more about these workshops? Okay, so you can go to my website, which is www.yournaturopath.com.au, and there is a page there to sign up for your city your closest city. I'm sure you won't have a problem finding one um, with the eight that I'm doing. <laughs> uh, I'm actually offering a special for FX Medicine listeners as well. So cool. the two-day workshop is 680 or two e days of learning. <laughs> and what about further info? Where can we get more good clinical info about assessment signs and practical examination skills? Okay. So I am yeah, once again, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because there isn't there there's a there is a lot of information about naturopathic signs and there's some great books and things like that, but there isn't a lot that bridges between the conventional and the naturopathic. I've got a group um, on Facebook and I go in there and do weekly trainings for people so that they can kind of get get started with bits and pieces and start you know, just get the ball rolling with their physical examination and that group is called Let's Get Physical. Ah, brilliant. And I would urge all of our listeners to click on the website and get onto that course that Katie's offering because I think it's so crucial that we revisit these basic assessment skills for not just our confidence, but also how it portrays to our patients and indeed improves our clinical practice. So thank you so much for taking us through this today, Katie. 
No worries at all. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. <laughs> this is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. FX Medicine is your gateway to news, resources and information on the safe, evidence-based approach to practising complementary and integrative medicine. Visit fxmedicine.com.au to sign up for e-news and stay up to date with the latest research, podcasts and industry information.